if the navigator is so distraught over something that's going on in his or her mind, they're not going to be able to put their focus into the rhythms that are going on that they feel via the vessel and the wind and the cues with the seabirds and the smell. You know, you can smell land before you get to it, you know, and part of it, I think, is that when you're out at sea for, you know, 10 days, 20 days, like you have a sensory deprivation, right? You don't have the smell of, of land. You don't have the sound of seabirds. When you're really far out in the middle of nowhere, you have the sunrise, moonrise, sunset, moonset, the wind, the rain, those are your main inputs. Michael Max, and this is Geological. A patient of mine was recently prescribed antibiotics and steroids because, as the urgent care person told her, you've been sick for three weeks, and even though we can't find anything objectively wrong, you should take these drugs. Now, on first glance, when I hear this kind of thing, I get angry, and it's frustrating for me that acupuncturists are considered non-science-based medicine, and then the so-called evidence-based medicine community pulls this kind of stunt. It's maddening. But after a pause and taking a breath and considering, what do I do when I'm not sure what to do? Maybe I don't work so differently. Maybe I go to some generic four-gate or balanced method treatment. Maybe I double down on my diagnosis and treat bilaterally to bring some extra firepower. And on a good day, I just scratch my head and realize I've not got an idea what might be helpful. That moment of not knowing, it's not particularly comfortable, and I don't like trying to apply some elaborate theory or treatment when I'm uncertain. I go back to basics. Is the patient dealing with excess or deficiency? Of course, we can see both in any given moment, but which one is at the root of the issue? Are they more wet or more dry? Can I palpate any abnormalities in the channel? If I pull my gaze back to look at the patient as a kind of integrated whole, does the story they just told me about themselves land in a different way? Sometimes I get a glimpse of what they need, and then I craft a simple treatment to address that. Simple go-tos, sometimes they help, and rarely do they hurt. In this moment, I'm looking for what might be helpful. In this moment, for this particular person, and through the lens of, I don't know, but willing to look again and see what might be here. Often enough, I've done the Chinese medicine equivalent of antibiotics and steroids. You probably have as well. I suspect we can all do better. How do you reorient when you realize you're off track or somehow sailed into completely unfamiliar territory? It's one thing to navigate in the known and altogether something else when you realize you're in strange waters. And with our patients, we are frequently in strange waters. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. 
Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. In this conversation with Heather Becker-Brungard, we discuss approaching our work and interacting with the body much like the ancient Polynesian navigators could wayfare a passage by listening and sensing the water, weather, tides, currents, and wind. In a sense, all life understands fluid. 
as a mother tongue. There is a sensibility that sailors acquire with time in the boat, just like time in the clinic will season a practitioner. The senses become refined. Knowledge and not knowing work together, not across purposes. As we learn to work and interact with nature as it unfolds in this moment, our interactions in clinic are often enough a voyage of discovery. Let's get into this. Heather Becker Brungard, welcome to Geological. Thank you for having me. I got your name, maybe it was Steve Schlaffer, or maybe it was Bob Quinn. You know, we did that whole series recently on East Asian bodywork, and your name kept coming up. And they said, yeah, Heather has some experience. She's done a capstone on uh, Qigong Toina. She often relates it to sailing and beyond that, like Polynesian navigation, which is like the most amazing navigation that humans ever came up with. And so I'm really excited to talk with you about that because you know something about sailing. Uh, I know something about sailing. And there's, as we were talking before we started rolling some tape, there's, there's a lot about that sailing world that really lends itself to hands-on medicine. So I'd like to begin with a quote here. This is actually from your capstone. It's from Wade Davis, a book called Wayfaring, which oddly enough, I read last winter. Oh, interesting. You know, it's about how people find their way in the natural world. Mm -hmm. Beautiful book. It's a beautiful book. I want to read this for the listeners because it, it captures so much. Beyond sun and stars is the ocean itself. When clouds or mist obliterate the horizon, the navigator must orient the vessel by the feel of the water. Local wave action is chaotic and disruptive, but the distant swells are consistent, deep, and resonant pulses that move across the ocean from one star house to another. Yeah, it is such a, a well-stated statement and so applicable to so many things. So many things. And so in regard to our medicine, tell us something about how this informs the work that you do. So I guess I'll maybe step back a little bit and just say that I have been raised on a sailboat most of my life. So it was interesting when I was going through school and I first got exposed to this type of body work. And, and for me, it's really the Qigong Twina, uh, myofascial release work, craniosacral. Those are my three big body work types that I use. And when I first got my hands on people looking at the body through that lens, it was something that I just was like, oh my gosh, I get this. Right. And then I think it was that Christmas I went home here to Hawaii to spend time with my family. And I, you know, had my first night sleeping on the boat. And I said, oh my gosh, this is that body work, right? The mm -hmm. boat is constantly in this very gentle motion. Sometimes not gentle if you're in a storm, but you know, at, at, at port, when you're at anchor, even if there's no wind at all, there's this subtle motion always 
just informing us. And so when I realized, when I kind of put the two and two together in my own experience, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is the body is sailing. The body is the ocean, you know? And then I started looking into it, especially for the capstone that I did of, okay, well, how much water is actually in the body? We all kind of know that 60% rule or 60% water, but you know, even bones are 30% water and the lung tissue, I think is, they say it's like 83% water. And um, I've heard other sources talk about, if you look at the number of water molecules in our body, we are 99% water. It's just that our human cells are so much bigger. So by volume, we're more human. Anyways, when I, when I started understanding those connections and feeling it, it's like, yeah, this is wayfinding, right? We don't have, I mean, we do have with adults, we do have communication, which is huge. But when we turn that information, when we, when we lower that level of that volume, right, of, of talking and telling stories, and we tune into what the body's telling us, now we start listening to the rhythms and all the different overlays, you know, to me in navigation, like the quote says, we're looking at where are the waves coming? Where are the currents coming? Where is the wind coming? And how are they all interplaying? And if you're sailing in one direction and the wind is taking you there, but the current's going opposite, it's a very unpleasant passage, right? Because all the forces are against each other. And so when we feel into the body, what do we feel? Like what rhythms are we feeling? We know for sure there's the breath, there's the heartbeat, there's the craniosacral rhythms, right? We have, then we have all the rhythms of day and night and happiness and sadness. And we just have all these rhythms that overlay. And so it's, it's analogous to, to crossing an ocean. Rhythms of happiness and sadness. I just want to stick a pin in that for a second because I want to come back mm -hmm. to it. I've done a little bit of the cranial work, mostly through the engaging vitality and a little bit of cranial training as well. One of the things I find really interesting about the vocabulary of the cranial work is they're talking about a terrain and they talk about fluid tides. You know, we're talking about fluid here. And yes, of course, there's that old saw about, well, the human being is mostly fluid. We're bags of water. You know, water invented us to carry it around, <laughs> which is a quote from Tom Robbins. And so, yes, we've got all this watery aspect to ourselves, but we live in this very dry world. And if you've ever spent any time underwater, like scuba diving or snorkeling, I mean, the brilliance of undersea life is mind like psychedelically mind-blowing. And they come out onto dry land, and it's like everything is dull. Even the most vibrant, beautiful things on land, they can barely hold a candle to what's under the water. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on where you are, too, right? The tropics, I would say that's probably less so. Same with, I, I don't actually have never scuba dove up like in the Pacific Northwest or in really cold waters, but yeah, tropical fish and sea life is just out of this world. Exactly. Well, uh, and good point, because I don't like cold water, so I've only dove in the tropics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, me too. <laughs> so fair enough. But that, you know, there's this watery essence. I mean, it's basically a water planet when you come down to it. And uh, th this may be a little far afield. 
I swear I'm coming back to happiness and sadness. But there's something about the water, and there's something about when we listen to people in a watery way. It's like consciousness is different in fluid than it is not in fluid, it seems to me. I was wondering if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, to me, health, life is fluid, right? It's always changing. It's always, again, even if it's not like, you know, my analogy of the boat always moving, but you can say the same with plants, right? Trees, I would always say when I learned Tai Chi, oh, the trees are doing Tai Chi all day long, right? There's always this vibration. And so when you say that fluidity, it's that movement, you know, it's a chant. If, if you have a group of people chanting, you can't just record one stanza or one statement of the chant and then replay it, right? Because that's not how it works, right? The nature is always slightly different each time. And we can tell now with all of our modernity when someone isn't natural, right? If they're reading from a script instead of just fumbling through the talk or, you know, the presentation type of thing. And so to me, that fluidity comes up again in so many ways. And when we don't have the fluidity, that's often when we don't have health and when, when we have dis-ease, right? It just comes up time and time again, especially in Chinese medicine, right? If there's flow, there's no pain. If there's no flow, there's pain exactly. or disease or whatever English word we want to use um, to reflect that. Yeah. So back to happiness and sadness as a kind of a tide, a kind of a flow. I like thinking of it as a tide when we're talking watery stuff. I run into this all the time in clinic. I had someone the other day who, after the treatment, they found themselves singing. They hadn't been singing in a long time. And they were like, this person comes back and reports, I was like joyful in singing for five days after the treatment. And I'm thinking, wow, that was, something happened in there. But that's not what this patient noticed. What the patient noticed was, I was only happy for five days, right? And that, I'm sure you hear this in your clinic too. Something happens, people call it positive, but it goes away or changes, right? It's opposite or perceived opposite comes in. And, and for you and I, we look at this and go, well, of course. But often for so many of our patients, they don't quite get that. I'd love to know if you have some thoughts about that. Yeah. So couple things come to mind. Um, one, I think in our society that is so, we're so striving for perfection, right? I feel like kind of the unspoken definition of health is that we're perfect all the time, right? We're happy all the time. We're sleeping perfectly all the time. Our bowel movements are normal all the time. And I don't think that is actually true, <laughs> or I know it's not true, at least per my body, right? Clearly not true, if you just look at nature. Yeah, and health is actually not about having everything be perfect. It's actually about being able to flow with whatever comes our way, right? And to be able to take the storm and say, oh, wow, this is challenging. And I know it's short-lived, right, in, in the long scheme of things, right? A storm will eventually blow itself out, and then we will come back to the calm and the peace. Like, it's just, it is guaranteed. And so 
kind of recognizing that. And then, so I will often tell my patients this, you know, of we have to have the right expectations, right? You will probably get better and then you will probably take a step back, you know, that two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back, you know, it's this dance. Mm -hmm. We're sideways. Yeah, we're sideways. I love that. And, and that that is normal and that the goal is not this linear progression of improvement, but these little ups and downs. There's actually a word that I've heard, I think it's Dr. Levine talk about this idea of pendulation. Have you heard of that? Pendulation. I have not, but I have now. And like intuitively I go, ooh, that sounds right. Tell us more about it. Right. And so it's kind of this idea of, again, a rhythm that, you know, if you think of kind of the linear line going up on the graph versus this kind of sinusoidus wave going up, but like on a, on that linear pathway. So it's more like you're still going up and down, but each time there's expansion, you expand a little bit more, right? So there's this overall, even though it's the two steps forward, one step back, there's, there's still a progression. We're still moving forward yes. on our path. The trajectory is different. Yeah. 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 And so I find that really helpful. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, in, in the Qigong Twina, like I even feel that in the body, right. Or, or any body work or even acupuncture, right. You feel the the pulses change, you feel the muscles release. And, but when you, they come back the next time that muscle's probably tight again, but it's maybe not quite as tight as it was initially, right. It's that forward motion. That forward motion. And, and again, I'm thinking about sailing, especially if you're going upwind, right? People that don't know how to sail, it's like, go upwind. How do you get a sailboat to go upwind? Like, how do you sail against the wind? Well, there's a way of trimming your sails and you've got a rut and then you've got a a centerboard or a keel that goes into the water that keeps you from slipping sideways and you can sail at these angles that will actually take you upwind. You go 45 degrees to the wind, you flip to the other side, 45 degrees, flip to the other side, you zigzag your way upwind not unlike healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's not from A to B, right? Going upwind, you actually sail twice the distance, right? Because you're, you can't actually go upwind. You can only go off the wind, but if you go off the wind enough, you're still going to make forward progress. Yes, yeah, exactly. So healing is often like that. I hadn't thought about that until we're just, you know, two sailors talking about it right now. And, uh, you know, there's something else that came to mind. We're talking about this three steps forward, two steps back. And and I know I've said that, and my patients say it. And in our linear world, we think it's forward or back, but it could be sideways. And and I think I want to try in my clinic, instead of going, oh, yeah, two steps forward, one, one step back, be like, yeah, actually, it was three steps forward, and it was two to the side, because you're not on the same linear progression that you were on, you're in a different place. You know, you're sleeping five hours a night now. You're not sleeping two hours a night. That's not a linear change. And I think it's helpful to remind ourselves and remind our patients that it's not linear, you know? Yeah, and we actually don't want it to be linear, right? Because that's gonna be unnatural for the most part, right? There's no straight line in nature, you know, all these different sayings that we have in our vocabulary. And two, like I will tell patients, you know, and I've definitely had this in clinic of the person that has the one treatment and they're quote unquote cured, 
And I actually say, uh oh, right, they're going to come back next week and it's all going to be like, they just can't hold it, right? Because it's all to me, it's all about integration, right? If I can have this small change and the body can say, oh, yeah, this is comfortable, I can keep this, then we have actually peeled back a layer. But if I do a treatment and all the layers peel off, <laughs> like then the body can't stand upright, right? It just doesn't, it's too much change for the body to incorporate. So then all the layers just fold right back on, you know? And so it's same with a diet, right? If we say, okay, I'm going to eat 2000 calories a day and everything's going to be perfect. Like we're only, we can only do it for so long. There's this great quote that I won't be able to do to say perfectly, but it's this idea and it's from Chinese medicine of anything that's held by a force won't last, right? Because the second that force fatigues, then we go back to the way it was. You think of the dog that's chained up, you know, in the backyard. And once the chain breaks, gosh, the, the dog's gone. It's not treated well, like, see you later, right? But if, if you treat the dog right, it's going to stay around, you know. If we treat the bodies right, if we, if we make these changes in a way that are baby steps, those two steps, whichever direction, you know, then, then it's doable and it's safe, right? I think that's the other thing in, in healing is that much of the time we're, we're figuring out how to make ourselves feel more safe in our own bodies, our own environment. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Okay, so that's an interesting tack that I hadn't thought of, that we want to feel a certain kind of safety in our body, a safety in our experience. And any change, even if it's a positive, sought after and welcome change, if that comes quicker than we can integrate, that might flare up that, is this safe? Is this stable? I hadn't thought about that before. I had one patient, this was a wise dude. He said, I'd like to heal as quickly as nature will allow me to. I thought, wow. Most people come in and it's like, get rid of this thing, like immediately. He was, I want to heal as quickly as nature will allow. I love that. I did too. Yeah, you don't meet people like that very often. And, and you know, so often, I mean, acupuncture is such a weird thing. In some ways, I think, because there are sometimes 
kind of miraculous treatments, one or two treatments, and someone is like fundamentally different. That's it, done. Maybe I see you in five years for something else. Those things happen sometimes. And I think it's kind of a problem because people go out and tell people about their miraculous thing that happened with acupuncture. Now other people are going to expect that. We know these kinds of things can occur, but they're kind of rare birds. Yeah. And again, having the right expectations, you know, I'll tell patients, you don't expect to take one Tylenol and have the headache never come back, right? Like we know that Tylenol is something that you have to keep taking when people take it, you know, and it's that, again, that journey that acupuncture and, and healing, all healing really takes us on. You know, the other thing I will mention to my, or often say to my patients is, like, how can we make this symptom your friend? What if this symptom is your teacher? And instead of pushing it away, it's this, hmm, okay, here's my headache pain again, or here's my back pain. Like, okay, what is this trying to teach me? How can I, am I staring at the computer too long? Am I too stressed? Am I not getting, you know, like that personal reflection and seeing the symptom as a friend. And I, I know some patients are like, oh, like I could never see this as a friend, right? This is such a burden. And, and I understand that, but I think the more we can crack open that door to that possibility of where is the wisdom in this? Is this trying to say, oh, you cannot work 80 hour weeks or hundred hour weeks anymore. You know, you cannot be in this bad relationship or whatever it is that, you know, potentially is that silver lining? I think those are transformative questions. And again, it goes against the consensus reality that we live in, which is that our bodies are kind of machines. Healing should be linear. Everything else in our life is linear. At least the man-made, human-made stuff is linear. I too tell, often tell my patients there's no straight lines in nature. And they kind of look at me like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I'm like, no, come here. I've got some really nice windows in my waiting room and I'll take them out of the treatment room into the, into the waiting room and we'll look out the windows. There's all these beautiful trees and some power lines and some structures. And it's like, show me a straight line in nature. Show me something not man-made that, you know, is straight. And they're like, you know, their eyes get really wide. They get really quiet. They're like, oh my God, that's right. They see it. Wow, it's such an invitation. You know, just like these questions about making or, or, or perspectives on making the symptom your friend. I mean, some folks are going to get angry and be like, how dare you suggest this is my friend? It's like, yeah, okay, how dare me? But I always say, why not? Why not look at it that way? You know, like, well, I'm the eternal optimist, so <laughs> I should just give a disclosure there, you know. But um, why not look at it through a different lens? And again, you know, whenever we are resistant to something, pain is a great example, right? We, that pushing away that I don't want this, that in and of itself creates tension, right? Mm -hmm. And okay, let's at least prevent like the tension that we can control that we have absolute, like, do I think this way or not, <laughs> right? There's certain tensions that are much harder to control, right? Why do I have this knot in my shoulder that I just can't get rid of despite all the acupuncture and massage and all the different work, you know? But yeah, why not let go of those mental tensions that add to our discomfort, add to our dis-ease, you know, disrupt that, that natural flow that is occurring in our body? 
I want to follow this thing about natural flows, and I want to take it, I want, I want to come back to the ocean and the water and the waves and boats and navigating without a GPS, navigating without a compass, a sextant, and some stars for that matter, right? Us Europeans came up with some pretty cool ways of navigating the ocean, and they really worked. But the Polynesians, let's come back to wayfinding. I mean, wayfinding is, it's, it's the work we do. Polynesians, and I remember reading an article about this years and years and years ago, like back in the late 80s or early 90s, there was a publication called uh, The Whole Earth Review that it was kind of like the internet before the internet. It had all these really interesting articles and perspectives and tools. It was an offshoot of the Whole Earth Catalog. All right, I just dated myself by saying Whole Earth Catalog, which was kind of an <laughs> internet before the internet. Uh, it was right, a really right. cool publication. Anyway, Whole Earth Review had all these really interesting articles. And I remember one on Polynesian navigation, how these navigators would literally feel through the layers of water and be able to discern the echoes of like deeper currents off undersea mountains or islands for that matter. So, you, you know, you grew up on a boat. So there's something that you know about these deeper currents. And they also relate to doing the work that we do. We spoke earlier, the body is a fluid body. So there's that. But there's also something about how to sense and how to quiet enough to listen to those rhythms. You mentioned dropping language is one way of dialing down the volume. I'd like to get some more of your thoughts on, like, how do you listen to fluid? Yeah, so to me, so much of it is exactly that solitude, the quietness. You know, I think that's, again, part of the struggles in our modern world with cell phones and TVs and radios, you know, we just, traffic. I mean, we just have so much that we're bombarded with really 24-7, especially if you're in a city. But even if you're not in a city and you have inter internet access, right, you can just be bombarded with this, this, this information overload. And so part of it is that quieting of the external and then quieting the internal, right, all of the meditation, the Qigong, Tai Chi, yoga, all of those internal arts you know, whichever one each person picks or whichever couple each person picks, like those are so, in my opinion, monumental and such a requirement because if I'm not calm within me, if I have a storm going on within me, there's no way I'm going to be able to tune into another person's rhythms, right? If, if the navigator is so distraught over something that's going on in his or her mind, they're not going to be able to put their focus into the rhythms that are going on that they feel via the vessel and the wind and the cues with the seabirds and the smell, you know, you can smell land before you get to it, you know, and part of it, I think, is that when you're out at sea for, you know, 10 days, 20 days, like you have a sensory deprivation, right? You don't have the smell of, of land. You don't have the sound of seabirds. When you're really far out in the middle of nowhere, you have the sunrise, moonrise, sunset, moonset, the wind, the rain. Those are your main inputs. And you all of a sudden start coming. And, and usually, I mean, it depends on the weather, of course, but usually you kind of 
have a certain rhythm that the boat is going through, right? And then you get closer to land and that rhythm of the boat shifts and the you start seeing your first seabird of like, oh, okay, there, there's land somewhere here. You start when you get close enough. And, you know, like sometimes you can smell land before you can see it. Often you can smell land before you can see it. Of course, you have to be downwind of it. Um, but it's part of it is because you're so in tuned with nature, like sunrise, sunset, those are the big events of the day. You, you're not, at least on our boat, you're not watching movies. You're not, you're not distracted by these other things. And so your body just not like, yeah, you just naturally feel it. It's almost like you can't help but say, oh, the rhythm's a little different, right? Oh, wow. Look, a bird just landed on our, on our bow pulpit. Wow. You know, so that quietness, I think is, you have to have the quietness to really be able to go to that type of depth of listening. And so in our clinical work, that makes a lot of sense. We need some kind of cultivated practice to lean on that will allow us to settle. Yeah, we have that cultivation that sets us up. And then when we're there, so so my style is actually I use, I combine acupuncture and body work together. So I'll put the needles in and then I'll do the Qigong Twina or the craniosacral. And to me, I, I often feel like it's taking the acupuncture and like connecting it to this homeopathic battery or, you know, inducing, you have the the channel markers that you're going to go through, but now you've just created this slight current that helps the boat get through that uh, channel. You know, that's kind of how I tend to think of the body work and acupuncture it, in combination. It's like sailing with the tide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In your, in your direction. In your <laughs> direction, you. yeah. Right. Um, but then I have to set up my body too, right? So I go into like my style of Qigong meditation is, you know, this I have to lengthen my spine. I have to open up my energy. I have that idea of, you know, the being pulled up by the heavens, right? From our do 20, basically, right? That opens me. So if I'm then sitting there receptive, I'm going to be able to like go into whatever comes up through my hands, right? That I perceive where if I don't set myself up, if I'm distracted, I'm slouched, I'm really not present, like, I'm not going to feel much, you know, and the patient's not going to, like the patient can tell, right? The patient can tell when, wow, that was a good session. Like, wow, we went somewhere versus the, oh, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> right. That's most of the mm -hmm. time because I wasn't doing my job well enough in that particular moment. Well, and there's days where it's easier to fall into it, and there's days where, for whatever reason, you, you, I love the example you gave earlier in our conversation, the wind is in your favor, but the current is not. And so that's still a kind of a rough passage. Mm -hmm, it is. So there's days the wind might be with us, but the current is not. And that yep. because there's just cycles, and we are in the cycles. There's no way we're going to end up in clinic every day you know, everything smooth and aligned. It, that's just not how it works. On those days when it's smooth and aligned, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like a bluebird day sailing, right? Or skiing or whatever. Everything just falls into place. But for most of our lives, there's a current where the wind is not quite favorable or, you know, there's seaweed on the rudder. I mean, something. 
in those moments when it's not quite right, how do you work with those conditions in your clinic? Yeah, I, I I think, I mean, you know, it is just doing the best we can with what we have always. And again, going back to those foundations, you know, of, okay, it's part of time that we can separate ourselves from, you know, it's just dropping in. And, and again, there's days that you can drop in a lot faster than others, but it's dropping in, tuning into the rhythms, just letting that go. And, and I think that's where the daily practice, right? The gong of Qigong is the gong of Qigong. Is is the answer, right? Because it's yeah, we're not perfect at it all the time, but it just when we do it so much, it just becomes more accessible and we're able to kind of okay, just you know, and it doesn't mean that that thoughts aren't popping in from time to time, but you also just like when you're meditating, right? You can mm -hmm. sit there and meditate and of course, like thoughts are always going to pop in, but we just keep saying, nope, we're not going there right now. We're, we're here. We're meditating. We're in this moment. We're feeling into the bodies. I mean, I find that that is so useful for me in my own meditation, right? It's not just about clearing the mind from thoughts. It's about feeling my body and all the sensations that arise. And the more you do it, the more sensations arise, just like same with acupuncture, right? The more you do it, mm -hmm. the more you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. So to me, it's that, oh, okay, just get back into the, the basics, right? That is often where the, the answers lie is those basics. You go to the most advanced training and they go back to, okay, how do you hold the needle or how do you hold the sword or how do you stand in yes. universe pose, you know? Yes. It's so true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I've had a number of guests We've had similar conversations. Like when, when it gets rough, when things are complicated, what do you do? I simplify. That's usually the answer I simplify. And, and, and in this conversation that we're having, I, I'm realizing that simply recognizing the terrain that I'm in with its cross currents or favorable or unfavorable wind or wind shadows or chop or whatever, well, that's just the terrain that we're in and, and, and be in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly what we're talking about with pain, right? Of like, don't, don't wish you were on a different passage, right? Don't wish you were somewhere else. It's just, okay, yeah, it's going to be a little more uncomfortable because we are fighting a current, but enjoy being in this moment regardless, right? Wow, we get to experience the boat or the body in a slightly different way. It's that curiosity of, huh, like, you know, to me, so often we, we take life so personally, right? But I don't want this. And if we can shift out of that mentality and say, oh, wow, look, I get to experience this moment. I've never experienced this type of sailing before. I've never experienced this before and come at it through a curiosity. What can it teach me? Again, that can be much easier said than done, right? You think of certain situations where it's like, right, I can't go there, right? But the more we go there when it's relatively easy, then I think we get better at going there when it gets harder, right? Again, same thing, that gong of Qigong. The more we practice, the more we're able to get there, even when things get hard. Yeah, because we have familiarity with that. It's like, oh, there's a chop up today. Okay, I know how to get through a chop. You know, it's a lot of damn work. Mm -hmm. But I can do it. 
but I can do it. Yeah, it's slow and we'll be tired at the end of the day, but we can get through it. But we'll do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. You used a term, it's a sailing term, and I hadn't thought about how it relates to healing, but I think it does. You used the term passage. It's, that's a very nautical term. And I'm curious to get your take on this nautical experience going from one place to another and, and, and how that fits into your clinical work. What's a passage look like in your experience with your patients? Yeah, I think the passage probably, I mean, gosh, there's so many ways you could look at it, right? So many ways you could break it down. But often the passage is the longer journey in terms of clinical practice, right? It's not just one session, but it's, okay, let's look back over a course of three months or six months or a year and say, oh, wow, look at how I've changed. It's, you know, and to me, a passage when we're at sea you know, it's not a day trip, right? Like I would never say, oh, I'm going on a passage as I, you know, go two hours down or up the coast, you know, like that's not a passage. A passage is, yeah, it's a long journey. There's a lot of preparation. There's breakdowns, there's repairs at sea, you're uncomfortable, you're working through it. And then there's also the absolute bliss that occurs when the storm calms. You know, that's, I think, often what captures people with sailing is you can have this beautiful, beautiful sail and then the storm comes and it's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And, and you somehow get through it, right? Often you kind of don't even know how you got through it. You just did. And then afterwards, it's that, oh my gosh, we survived that. And we're actually stronger because of it, right? We tested the boat, we tested ourselves, we survived it. And then you get that bliss there. And so it's, it's all of it. Again, going back to that idea of health isn't about being perfect all the time. A good passage isn't about not having storms. Like, when you're out at sea for 20 days, you are guaranteed to have a storm. You know, it might just be a squall, but some of those squalls can kick your butt. <laughs> it can be quite intense. So it's not about not having the storms. It's simply being prepared enough that you figure it out, you know, or it's not about not having breakdowns. It's just, okay, this broke. How are we going to fix it? And it might be very jerry-rigged. That's okay. You still fixed it and you still kept going. You didn't turn around because of it. Or, you know, even if you turn around, you go again, right? It's you get off the, you fall off the horse, you get back on. Um, so I think so much of that is the passage that's going to have all the ups and downs, um, but we're still okay. And we're, we kind of still go anyways, right? A lot of people won't even go offshore because they're afraid and understandably, like, it can't be scary out there for sure, but it's still going anyways. It's still living life, even though we know that there's going to be tough times and there's going to be pain and there's going to be illness. No, we live life anyways. Things get broken. Things get fixed. I really love this word passage. I, I feel like it's something that I can take in and, and start to talk about with my patients. Because often people come in because they're looking for the cure or the fix. Well, you'll find fixes in a passage because stuff breaks. So, yeah, you'll find fixes. But really what's happening, if they're coming into our offices, they are in the middle of a passage. And it's going from one place to another. And I, I love this, this, 
these words that you used, that in a passage you will be tested and you will be changed. And okay, stop and think about that for just a moment. I mean, that might be a great thing to bring up with with people in a first office call. Like, are you up for this? You know, or let them know that you're up for it, but make sure that they're up for it. You'll be tested and changed. And to me, what comes up when you say that is like, oh, that sounds scary, right? And I think letting them know, and I think that's the beauty of acupuncture and body work is it doesn't have to be this abrupt change because the abrupt change is often where we don't feel safe and we, it's like, oh shoot, now what do I do with this? Right. But the, the beauty of the gentle work is that we can have this change, but it's mostly all in bite-sized pieces. It's all something that we can kind of say, oh, I can do this. I actually just did this amazing hike that was kind of mind-blowing and I looked, it was up on Kauai, the Nepali coast, and it's just, there's a couple miles of sheer trail cliff. Like it's, it's, it's quite inspiring. And I got to a certain point and I said, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do this. Like this looks so terrifying. I don't know if I want to do this. And, but I also didn't want to turn around because that's not my nature. And so I kind of was like, okay, well, I can do the next 10 feet. Like that looks doable. So let me do the next 10 feet and then I'll reassess. Like if I want to turn around, then I will, you know, and it was just such a beautiful metaphor for life of, yeah, I see the whole journey. I see the passage. I see, I need to get from here to there. And that's going to take, you know, maybe years, but I don't have to do it all in, in one step. I can say, what's the, what's right in front of me? Oh yeah, that's doable. Okay, let's do that. And there were sections on this trail that I wasn't even looking 10 feet out in front of me. I was looking two feet in front of me, but a footstep right in front of me, I could do. Okay, let me do that one. You know, let's just narrow it down, focus on what's important in those moments. You don't have time to be worrying about what could be, what could go wrong, what if, da da da. You just say, nope. Every step matters. This is important right here. And let me just focus on that. Same if you're in a storm, right? You're not worrying about anything because you can't. You're so focused on getting that sail down or, you know, whatever, just keeping the boat on course, right? When you have 60 knots of wind blowing, you're just, you're just doing everything you can to just kind of keep your head above water. And that's all you need to do, right? Because once that then calms, then you can reassess and, and reflect and, and say, oh, maybe next time we should do it a little differently. But I think those are all useful analogies. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. 
Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Yes, well, and to be able to recognize when our patients might be in which state, right? Are they on a cliff trail and we have to slow it down and focus on safety and get from one step to the next? Or is it a nice 20-knot breeze? The current is in your favor. You're on a nice reach. You got the spinnaker up and, it, you know, you're just making headway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that, again, being in tune with our surroundings, i.e. our patients, right? Listening to them, feeling them and yeah, exactly seeing, because yeah, if they're going through a storm and you think we're on a spinnaker, you know, a, a sunset spinnaker sail, we're not going to help them, right? We're disconnected. And we, we maybe it might actually do more harm because we're giving one message that they, if they take our advice, like it's not applicable for their situation. We have to be reliable navigators. And I had this image come up a while back. It was just, it was actually on someone's treatment table. (laughs) And I had this idea that in our work, we we are navigators, but it, it, as I think about it, there's two kinds of navigators right? There's the navigator that has a map and the tools for knowing where they are in the known universe of the map. And because people have gone there before, maybe they've gone there before, but even if they haven't, if you've got a map and the tools, you can kind of, you know, you can, you, you can find your way, but that's different than being in the word came to mind, a charting navigator where you're at the very edge of the known and just a little bit into the unknown. How do you navigate and create a chart at the same time. I feel like this is so often the work that we're in. Sometimes someone comes in, you're like, oh yeah, this is in my wheelhouse. I, I, I know the problem, I can diagnose the problem, I know treatments for, for, for what you've got. It's the map. There's not even dragons drawn on the end that says, you know, here to be dragons. But often enough, we kind of know the terrain, but we're at the edges of the unknown at the same time. How do you work at that interface? It's doing fully and listening fully. Like, again, I think I mentioned or kind of used the analogy of a chant. If you're chanting with a group of people, you are fully singing, right? Like you're, you're, it's coming from your, in, in Hawaiian, we say the na'au, right? The, the, your gut, like it's, it's from the depth of your being that you're, singing this chant and at the exact same time you are fully listening to see what's next right are we repeating are we slowing are we stopping is the cadence shifting like i'm listening to whoever's kind of guiding the chant right of like am i on oops i i'm going a little fast i need to slow down and to me that's where 
or at least for what I do, that's where I go with the acupuncture, with the body work, with the conversations, right? You, you, you're fully engaged and you're listening to make sure that you're on target, right? Can, and, and this, like the work with the Qigong Twina and craniosacral, all of it, acupuncture, but the Qigong Twina is beautiful because it is an induced rhythm. So I'm inducing a rhythm into the patient's body, usually at a, a wrist or an ankle, but could be anywhere. And so I'm pulling the joint to expand it and I'm contracting the joint to compress it. But in that I'm listening, does the body want to be pulled? Does it want to be pulled a little bit more? How about a little bit more? Okay. You don't want to go anymore. Okay. Back in right? And so it's that intense listening, that's what guides us. So we can't, I mean, we can certainly pause sometimes and say, okay, let me just like get my bearings again. Like that's always allowed, right? But then we go back into action, right? It's the wu-wei, wei, wu-wei, right? The action, the non-action. So how can I, and, and again, you know, with sailing, you're always sailing on the edge, right? Because if you don't have enough sail up, the boat's not going to sail very well, right? If you're underpowered, you don't have very good steerage. The boat, it's uncomfortable because the seas are kind of pushing you around a little too much. And at the same time, if you're overpowered, that's also very uncomfortable and potentially dangerous depending on the exact situation. But, you know, that's when you, especially in a storm, that's when you can get flipped over or pitbull or any of the horrible things that could happen. So it's always being on that edge and saying, okay, where is that kind of sweet spot where I'm listening? I'm kind of right on the edge and then oop, the wind shifts. Uh Oh, okay. Got to drop this chain. We got to change the sails, right? Or we got to shift the course, but it's not something that you can just put on autopilot and say, okay, wake me up when when we get to point B in, in two weeks, you know, it just doesn't work that way. It's that constant tending, constant listening, constant being present. And we've got all these forces on a sailboat. You've got the wind, you've got the water, you've got the wind in the sails. You've got the nature of the water that you're in. And, you know, you can, we can take all of this as metaphors for the work that we do when we put our hands on people because it's exactly the same. I, I love hearing you talk about pull a little, push a little, right? You got this yin yang in out, inhale, exhale. Where does it want to go? Where's it asking to go? Where's the ease? Where's the edge where you have power, speed, and stability? Because there is an edge on a boat and it's always changing. It's never the same. Where you've got power, speed, and stability, you've got it all together. And, and you lose any one of those, and the other two go off balance as well. And, yeah, it, I think that's like that with our attention and our touch. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And the body, I always say the body understands rhythms, right? Again, we, we talked about the heartbeat, the, the breathing, the day-night. Like, the body understands rhythms, and so that's to me one of the reasons I love the Qigong Twina is it's a language that the body already knows inherently. And then we capitalize on it, right? And it's this concept. If, if I were to go 
do this rhythm, just like push, pull, push, pull, push, pull without listening, it would be hugely uncomfortable. <laughs> People would be like, get off of me. Right. But because I'm listening, the nervous system then says, oh, you got my attention. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're trustworthy. Exactly. And then the more we do it and the body says, oh, okay, I got this, right? The push isn't that much. The pull isn't that much. Like, yeah, this is safe. And it, that rhythm kind of continues. And it there, you know, again, it's, it's dynamic. So there might be a little bit more of a pull one time and a little bit less of a pull the second time, but it's all within this comfortable range. Then the nervous system opens up and the body feels safe. The person usually goes to that, you know, kind of meditation acupuncture zone of you're not fully awake and you're not fully asleep. And at that point, I often say, okay, we've gotten out of, the patient has gotten out of their own way, right? And that's what I say to myself, like, oh, I get into that meditative zone, acupuncture zone, and oh, I get out of my own way so the body can heal the way it needs to heal instead of me micromanaging it all the time. And then I would say, similarly, when when there's those times of me saying, oh, I'm not quite on, right? Okay, this is a little bit more of a struggle. Another strategy I use of like, okay, just get out of the way, right? Just turn off the mind or quiet the mind. It's not really fully turning it off, but it's like, just get into the hands. Let the body be the guide and don't try to be thinking about what's next. Don't try, just like, let that settle to refine the bearings of, okay, what does the body need? The body is the guide here body is the guide. I've heard you say this several times in this conversation, but I think I just heard it, at least heard it at a a level that got my attention in a different way, about the importance of the body feeling that it is safe. I think I've underplayed that in my clinical work. I think I've glossed over it, the importance of, of really attending to that. I mean, I look to create a safe and comfortable space in my clinic but there, there, there's something else that's coming up in this conversation that, I, oh, I could attend to this in a little different way that might be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's, of course, the the clinical setting, right? And and I would say probably for maybe even 100% or 99%, like, of course, the clinical setting is going to be safe, right? There's no robbers or, you know, bad guys in the clinic. But that can be very different. And and I will tell people this, like my, most of the time, my first visit, I always say the most important thing is that you feel safe and we can always change the treatment. Like if we put in one needle and you don't like it, we'll stop. Like we can do acupressure, we can do body work, we can, we can do so many other things, especially when I work with kids, which I do a fair amount, kind of adolescents young adults where this is their first time, but really for anyone that it's their acupuncture, you know, it's their first time. It's a little scary, right? It's just Mm -hmm. different. And um, so the number one thing is that you feel safe. And, and I tell them sometimes your mind will tell you, I should feel safe, right? The room is nice. This practitioner looks nice enough. Like I don't have any clues as to why I should be feeling this way, but the body doesn't feel safe. 
And that is hugely important, right? That's when we need to say, okay, it doesn't matter. The, the whys don't matter. And we don't have to go into the story as to, well, why don't you feel safe here, right? Because then that's pulling in that whole mental everything. Yeah, you're just turning the volume up on the noise. Yeah, exactly. Why does the body not feel, or not even why, just, okay, the body doesn't feel safe. Let's attend to that. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do, right? We can We can go even more gentle, we can maybe avoid that part of the body for the time being until the rest of the body feels more safe with other things. And then when the time is right, maybe it's the abdomen, right? Maybe touching the abdomen is ooh, just too scary, right? So, okay, we'll, we'll work with the toes and we'll work with the feet and we'll work with maybe the head. And then eventually as the body says, oh yeah, I can trust this process. Then we can go to those scarier places I think part of what this work does is it can give people glimpses into what safety feels like or what calmness feels like. I have people, especially these adolescents that I work with, they don't know what calm really feels like in their body. They don't know what peace. I mean, they, they have the concept, but I've had people say like, I don't know how to get there. Do they? Do they have the concept? Well, I mean, they, they know the word, right? They, they, they know the word. They probably don't have a lot of experience with it. Yeah, they don't have the, ex- yeah, the experiential sense of it. And so to me, the body work, the acupuncture and body work combination, but could be either, it gives people a glimpse into what this safety, this calm can feel like. Because once you have a taste of it, now you have a map, right? Or you you have, oh, like I didn't even know that was possible before. Oh, how do I get back there? Right now you have the patient thinking, right? You've kind of woken up something. And so now the body can kind of work towards that place. Before it was just a hole, right? It it, it was an empty spot. It was a a blank spot on the chart that we don't know what's there, right? Like, ooh, that's scary. Maybe even a dragon. Here there be dragons. We don't know what's there. Yeah. Some people get excited about the unknown, but most of us, we get a little freaked out. Mm -hmm. Especially when it's in our body, in our being, right? It's one thing to go out to an adventure, right? That's a little more controllable, but I think it's different to go in sometimes to that adventure of the, oh, what is that going to open up, right? And and how can we, again, just, we're not, we don't have to penetrate the hole, right? We don't have to penetrate, we don't have to like make this leap and just like land in this uncharted waters, but we come to the edge and we say, oh, the next 10 feet, water's still deep. We're still good. There's no reefs. Like we can keep going. Oh, what's the next 10 feet look like, right? You have someone up in the spreaders watching where the boat is going to see where the reefs are. Then you're able to keep going forward instead of saying, oh, no, no, we can't go there. It's uncharted close, you know, nope. (laughs) Slow, observant, attentive, digestible experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And then people keep coming back for more because they say, oh, that wasn't that bad. And oh, wow, over the last month, I actually have a little bit more sense of calm that I'm able to carry with me, right? I often will tell people, this feeling that you feel right now at the end of a treatment, that is a gift. Take it with you. Savor it. Don't get back into your car and throw it out the window. I used to do that in school, not knowing, right? I'm like, oh shoot, I got to get to my next class. I just had a little break in my acup- in my schedule and I got acupuncture in there and then, oh shoot, I'm late, right? And it's like, oh, I just threw that beautiful treatment out the window because I got back into my old routine and I jumped back into my habits and like, oh, no, no, no. Savor it, carry it with me through the day so that I have a little bit more of a chance of actually fully integrating it into my being so that it becomes more and more my normal. Yes, my my patients will often ask me, especially when they're, you know, they've had an experience and they'll go, how long will I feel like this? And And I tell them, well, actually, what you're feeling now doesn't come from the outside. This is you. You don't always have access to it, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. And the more we access it, the more we do have access to the it. The more available it is. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just like the first time you go into an area, you're not sure how do you get through this reef without ripping your dang keel off. Well, you go here, 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 here. You get through there a few times. You're like, oh, yeah, this is the way you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, I always would kind of chuckle whenever we would go to a new port because, you know, you've just never been there before and you're got the binoculars out and you have, you know, the charts and maybe you have a a sailing guide of some sort and you're like, okay, there's supposed to be markers. Where are they? Where's the reef? I mean, you're just like totally in the unknown and you're in the unknown with dangers, right? When you're out at sea, yeah, there's dangers, but there's no reefs, you know, like when you're out in open ocean, like if you are are off course, who cares? But when you're coming into a port, oh, you have to be spot on. And sometimes the charts are off by a couple miles. So you think you're one place, but you're actually somewhere else, you know, so it's checking all of these, okay, is, does everything line up? And so it's this whole process of like, where are we going? And you figure it out step by step, 10 feet at a time. And then you're at the place you're there for however long you leave. And it's just like, oh, yeah, we just go straight out, right? Because we've been there before. We get it. We know it. Oh, yeah, those are the markers. Yep, that's all right. It's just like easy peasy because it's now charted. It's charted in your experience. It's now charted. But when it's not charted, yeah, we we have to... uh proceed with caution. That's, I mean, that's just such a perfect metaphor for the work that we do. It really is. You know, people, and people get there sometimes with acupuncture, body work, whatever. It's easier to get back there a second time. Yeah. And then it changes them, right? The more we do it, then it's that. It does change. It fundamentally changes people. Yeah. Yeah. This is that thing we we're talking about. Three steps forward, two back, or maybe three sideways right? You're different than you were before. And, and I think so often people will come back and it's like, well, it lasted for a while and now I'm back to where I was. Not realizing that they're not quite where they were before. Often they need to have it pointed out in some ways. Yep. And, and just knowing, yeah, that that is part of the process. 
And, and what, and, and maybe, you know, even us as practitioners, again, just having that conversation a little bit more, how do you, okay, aside from the pain or the headache or whatever symptom per se, we're trying to work on what other ways do you feel different? You know, do you just feel, is there a little better ease? And it might be very subtle. You know, I think that's part of a possible barrier is when people are looking for giant steps and they don't see that, or maybe they see the giant step, but it only lasts for a day or two or three, refocus a little bit and let's go to more subtle, right? Okay, the pain is still there, but I'm not as anxious about it. That's huge, right? That is huge. So how do we as practitioners guide our patients into the little more subtle so that they can see that they are making progress and that they are changing because because we know that it's possible and they might not if they're new to the work. They might not understand. Well, the other piece is sometimes people will have a dramatic change. The very thing that brought them in, they'll forget they ever had it. You ask them how they're doing. Well, you know, the week's been okay, you know, about the same, maybe, you know, maybe a little better. I don't know. And then you ask about the thing that brought him in. Oh, so that knee, you know, you're out running and you get to like mile four and, and you know, your knee is like barking at you. And they're like, mm, no, actually, that's not happening. It's like, how could you how could you fail to notice it didn't happen? But people forget all the time. They, I mean, I think in some ways this is the essence of healing, that people no longer ruminate on it. It's not in their mind. It's not in their consciousness. It's not in their experience. It's just gone. But sometimes people don't notice that. We have to remind them, right? Or we're, we're in that longer passage. And being able to set that frame, this is not a day sale. This is a passage, like a rite of passage, like from one continent to another. Voyage of discovery passage helps to remember where we are. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the, the stage for, okay, yeah, this is exactly where are we going? What are we looking for, right? Let's tune in to the more subtleties and the big things, right? You got to be able to notice the island in front of you. That's sometimes subtle, sometimes not. Depends on the island. If it's an <laughs> atoll, you're like, we're practically on top of it. Where is it? Mm. <laughs> if it's Hawaii, you know, the big island, it's, oh, Okay, I see the big mountains, right? But even that, if it's stormy, like you still might not see the 14,000 foot mountains coming out of the ocean if the clouds cover it. Well, I've definitely sailed past the big island and been like, yep, I do not see a single thing. <laughs> like I should see it. But the weather, nope, it's, it, it's hidden. It's you hidden. Know? So again, it gives me such an incredible appreciation for how those. Polynesian navigators could feel their way through it. You know, the kind of sensorium that they had. I guess there's still people who can do it. Absolutely. Yep, there are. Probably not unlike being able to put your hands on someone and, and realize, oh, actually the problem is not the knee, it's the hip. Right, yeah, yep. Yeah, and thankfully there's a resurgence of people getting interested in the ancient navigation, you know, and so there's the Pukalea is my understanding is it's, it's one of the ancient navigation or the boats that are using the ancient navigation, you know, no, no modern anything. And I think they have another 
voyage coming up where they're going to be at sea. I think they're, I don't know what the, the route is, but they're, you know, doing a long voyage and thankfully, and just like our work, you know, thankfully there are those of us that are called to this, that it's not a dying art anymore. It is coming back to life and people really see the value in it, both as the practitioner and the patient, both as the, you know, the ancient navigator bringing back of, you know, cultures that were at one point not allowed right here in Hawaii, right? More and more people learning the Hawaiian language. Like all of this is so, so important because like that is the life, right? The culture, right? That's the depth of our existence. And so we have the wayfarers that are all out there making it real, you know, making it happen. I like thinking of our work as wayfaring. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Heather, anything else you'd like to share with us before we uh, bring this into the dock? I think, I mean, that's all that, that's coming up. We've, yeah, just had, you know, there's so many layers. I think one other thing maybe that comes to mind that we didn't really touch on, um, but just to put a brief idea out there is this idea of the fascia and the interconnectedness that mm. it creates in the body. And how, you know, through that interconnectedness, you really can work on one part of the body and it reaches the whole, you know, I think that's another layer to the body work and to acupuncture that is just phenomenal. Um, just having that concept, that idea of like this living tissue that transmits information, but that's a whole other conversation we could go into. Great. Let's let's come back at some point and have that conversation because the fascia is oddly enough extremely fluid filled. It is. It is. <laughs> Great. We'll just put a pin in that for today and uh, take that voyage another time. Sounds good. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jay. This has been really delightful and uh, hope all y'all's listening have enjoyed the passage. Thank you. Heather's perspective on passage, on the journey where you're tested and changed, it reminds me of a conversation I had with Sabina Vilms in episode 164. That was an episode brought to you by Real Mushrooms. In that conversation with Sabina on Suen 5, we talked about the two kinds of change. Bien, which is an incremental step-by-step -step change, and Hua, which is a transformative change from which there's no going back. Indeed. Often enough, our patients are in the midst of a passage, and they look to us to be reliable navigators. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks... That's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.